it's about fucking time. And not just for episode 40 of the podcast, but for a fucking Chelsea victory at last. The Blues dispatched an awful, let me put an emphasis on the awful, yet inspired Southampton side at this weekend, thanks to the heroics of one Olivier Giroud, arguably the most beautiful Frenchman I've ever seen. In a match that would serve as a warm-up for our fixtures against Burnley on Thursday, as well as a rematch with the same Southampton team, only this time in the semifinals of the FA Cup, it's about fucking time we win a match. Yes, Chelsea fans, we can still win a trophy, believe it or not. As we review and preview these matches, we also talk Chelsea news like Antonio Rudiger's supposed feud, and I'm using my air quotes, with Antonio Conte. A proper congratulating of Marco Van Ginkel and his first European League title with PSV Eindhoven, as well as the unfortunate injury to Batshuayi and the newly um, added part to the script, Marcus Alonso's um, FA charge. So, once again, welcome to the Romans Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. But before we get started, I have to introduce my co-host, who I must say is in incredible, incredible podcasting form, hey, hey. thanks to the countless rants last week. So, Mr. Sam Bagarzade. Wow. I mean, some this nice is nice words, man. This is some great form to enter the World Cup in. But <laughs> how are you doing today? Uh, I just have one one thing to point out. You you said that Giroud is pro- probably the most beautiful Frenchman I've ever seen. Arguably, um, but I, Frank, I don't Frank think there's Ribery, much of a Frank Ribery. He's up there, right? Oh jeez. <laughs> oh jeez. You can make a deba- You can you can make a debate for him. Um, you, but you have some low standards, huh? Oh yeah, is that what it is? I've got, I've got low standards. Um, yeah. The the scar that I'm in, I'm into scars, so you're into damage. <laughs> you like people that are damaged in yeah, general, both, right? both inside and outside. <laughs> I like those emotionally unstable. Uh, well, I mean, since we don't have Rebury, we have Giroud, and for th- for that, I'm incredibly grateful, right? Yeah, I mean, having Rebury wouldn't be too bad either, but I mean. Giroud, obviously, this past weekend was the hero. Um, I I didn't want to tell you this before we started recording because I knew you would get very upset and you would like tell me not to even mention it. But I I I told you last week that I wasn't going to watch this match and I I did not. I literally did not wake up for it because I was just I just like was not I was not in the mood, man. I like I was so over it, and I cannot even imagine how I would feel. Waking up at four thirty in the morning and like seeing our team down two nil, like <laughs> I would probably like have a heart attack and die, and would I would have missed I would have missed the whole comeback. Well, I, well, I actually had an interesting story. So I woke up at four thirty. I watched the kickoff in about the first seven minutes or so, and woke up around the thirtieth minute, and oh. uh, was pretty bored out of my fucking mind, to say the least. And you know, like here's the thing: is I wake up like drunk, hungover you know, long nights, whatever it may be, whatever the situation may be. And no matter what, I always wake up for Chelsea and I always watch. Mm-hmm. And the only matches I fall asleep for are the ones that are as boring and as, I don't know what the right word is, as uh, as as lethargic as this first half of the, uh, of the Southampton match. So, so like when I fall asleep during a match, like you know that it's definitely not something – worth watching i guess yeah especially the you know 
yourself being a football purist. Um, I'm sure it wasn't it wasn't very pure football being played. You know, um, that's a that, that, that's a very nice compliment, actually. Yeah. I, I I take pride in being a football purist. Yeah, I mean, I really you know, do. That's that's a that's a good point. I mean, that's a good thing about having you and I um, co-hosting the podcast because you're more of a purist. You have a better eye for like the tactic side, and I I kind of give like the fan perspective. You know, just like someone who's like super reactionary and like you know. Well, this, well, no one. The no average, one the average, that. yeah, and the, <laughs> the average fan who watches soccer, you know, it doesn't doesn't necessarily know the tactics they just see what they see and they they you know they 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 feel how they feel about what they see um and that's that's you know that's the that's the kind of content that i provide you know nobody would really guess that especially considering that like i'm doing most of the twitter activity (laughs) so like i mean if you ever like read our twitter it's it's pretty uh it's hard not to be reactionary in the moment. Exactly. Though. In exactly. the moment, it's just it's 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 so hard. That once you you know, but the, the difference is, you know, a person who can take some time to like uh, digest what's going on and kind of you know have like a level mind to really come up with an opinion versus just in the heat of the moment, like oh my god, fucking sell everyone like Conte out. Like <laughs> that's that's how I feel while watching a match, and then after you know, I just got to take a little bit of time, but. Um, I mean, to be fair, I, I really don't take back much of what I say on Twitter, if if, if yeah. anything at all. So, I mean, like, at least I think it's a, uh, I think it's pretty well thought out it's for the most banter. part. It's all good banter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, that's really all it is. But, anyways, really quick, I mean, before we dive into this ridiculous match um, th- this past weekend, um, I am, I made up, I'm officially gonna make this public, but. I'm gonna do every podcast for now on um, under the influence of alcohol. So Ooh. just a just a quick heads up, like like I know the Men in Blazers pretty much like set the, you know, they set the benchmark for at least having beers during a, you know, d- during a podcast. I'm actually sipping on some whiskey right now. Wow. And so uh, sh- you know, shout out to Nick Verlaney by the way of the London Blue Pod, dude. When we were in London. Nick and I had, had had a couple glasses of whiskey together, and it was it was all good fun, and it was great. And he actually uh, recommended that I try whiskey during a podcast, mm. so that's what I'm doing. And you know what? It's working. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely working because we've gone almost seven minutes, and uh, we haven't even gone into <laughs> I haven't even this dived match. into the match. Yeah, it's okay. So let's 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 do that. Let's get into it. Uh, I mean, I, I'm again. I didn't watch this match. I refuse to. Um, so this is kind of a first for me. Uh, I'm just gonna be. I'm gonna be. I think asking questions because you know. I, I obviously I watch the re like I watch the goals and you know looked at the stats, but I kind of want to get your idea a better idea of what happened. So I mean Giroud obviously that's where we got to start off. Um, just you know, super. He 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 didn't start, did he? No, no, he yeah, didn't. He so came on with about sub. 20 minutes left, banged right. in two goals in three minutes and super lit sub. the game on fire. Two shots, yep. both on target, both. Ending up his goals, three aerials, one a tackle, um, eight total passes, seventy-five percent uh, com- success rate. So you know all those 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 stats aren't flashy. Obviously, um, Giroud was absolutely crucial and clinical for us in that final third. Um, which is really funny because last week we talked about how he hasn't scored for us yet in the Premier League, and um, you know we definitely have been missing that 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 sort of clinical ism. Is that, is that is that a word clinicalism uh, it could be now so <laughs> yeah the clinicalism that we were missing uh Giroud provided that for us for sure um in that final third so let's just get right to like the tough questions okay 
Um, Giroud obviously did not start. Should he be starting over Morata? Here, yeah. Here's the thing. I don't think it's a difficult question at all. And I'm not saying that to bash Murata because I do still think there's a player in there. But, you know, like he had a really good effort against West Ham. And, and, and I sung his praises. And, you know, he, although he didn't score, um, he did have two offside goals. His movement was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, he pressured the back line. He held up the ball pretty well. But this week, for me, it was just god-awful. For some reason, his body language and his – just his general effort against Southampton was borderline pathetic for me. He just seemed to revert to this whole falling over every time he gets touched, yep. this uninspired, shitty fucking attitude that he exhibits week in and week out. And, you know, like th- throughout the whole period of this match, I was just praying that Conte would bring Giroud on sooner rather than later. And, you know, like we, we really needed a target man. And uh, Murata was just a complete opposite. So, Yes, I mean, moving on, we do need to start Giroud, especially if uh, if if we want to look for look towards picking up more points. And you know, like Tottenham dropped points today. Um, they're not invincible. If Harry Kane did not look 100%. That side is going to drop more points. You know, our chance isn't completely gone, and maybe that's me being a little optimistic. Mm-hmm. But we're Chelsea Football Club. We need to go out every single match looking to win it. So, um, I mean. <laughs> For my Americans, Robbie Earl is the is the NBC Sports commentator, and, and he basically said the same thing after the match. He alluded to how useful a pure goal scoring target man is at the eight, is at the stage of the season. Um, and you know, it, it didn't take a genius to notice the impact that Giroud had on the game. I mean, what what was it like two goals in the span of three or four minutes? That just told the whole story. He was constantly terrorizing the back three and making runs to create space for our midfield players to run into, um, which is something Murata does well um, in, in the middle, in the, in the middle area of the pitch, but not really in the final third. Um, you know, in the whole match, one particular moment stood out for me and Jonathan Kidd covered this in the Chelsea fan cast. And I promise you, I had this written in our script before I heard the fan cast. So I am not ripping this idea of Jonathan Kidd, just great minds think alike, but um, the moment that stood out for me was the second goal. You know, in the buildup, the ball got flicked up into the air somehow, and Giroud maybe closed in a five or six yard gap to make some last ditch effort at leaping in the air uh, like a salmon and, and, and just trying to get anything on the ball, and he did. And uh, you know, it, that kind of, I, I mean, that moment led up to the goal. Obviously, it, lo- it led up to the buildup of the second goal, but. Those types of efforts and and that type of desire and that type of will to just fucking win and scrap and do whatever you need to do to get a result is something that we really haven't seen out of Alvaro Morata this season. And it's it's concerning at this stage, but I think as a Chelsea fan, being a a logical level-headed one at this point, it's – it's just not the type of it's just not the type of striker Murata is, and you know maybe we're maybe it's we're not discovering that Murata shit as much as we're discovering that Murata isn't a target man, and Giroud is a target man in every sense of the word. I mean, I don't want to go out there and say Drogba esque because you know Drogba is obviously a different class, but it's the same type of effort, that same type of desire and physicality and will to just bully defenders and and and, and kind of impose your physicality on a match that Giroud has that's very 
um, that's very reminiscent of the DDA Drogba days. And Morata's not that type of striker. Diego Costa was. And I just think that Chelsea fans need to get over the fact that, yes, we don't have Diego Costa anymore. We have Morata. He shouldn't be a target man. I think he would be a lot better working in a in a pairing up top, actually. So I would I really wouldn't if it was up to me, I would honestly drop William at this point and and I would just play Hazard in that in that free role right behind the two strikers. But I know I'm gonna get a lot of shit for it. I love William, but at at this at this point in time in this system under this manager, Murata's just not the right point man. So going back to your question. <laughs> Even though it was a long answer, yeah, I mean, I go with Giroud. I, I, I think it's a no-brainer at this point. If we want to win matches, if we want to pick up points, and if we want to score off of our opportunities with a more clinical striker, it's definitely Olivier Giroud. I think, like, if if you said, if you even mentioned uh, benching Willian about a month ago, I would have reached through my computer and slapped you in the face. But uh, it kind of fair enough. Yeah, but I know, but. It's it it you know the way that he's been playing our past couple of matches it's not it's not so out of the question right now I mean to be completely honest um uh I think I think Olivier Giroud is it, it was the was the perfect kind of player that we needed um he he's him and Morata are completely different strikers like completely yeah. different strikers and um you know the thing that we are missing is obviously that target man like you said um. And that's that's something that we had last year, probably one of the best in in England, if not the world. Um, Diego Costa was the last season for us, I think, um, and he really saved our whole season. Um, he really he really did. He was the reason, um, if it, it, probably not the sole reason. I mean, obviously not the sole reason, but probably one of the most important, crucial factors um, for us winning the the Premier League last year. Honestly, just the I amount mean, of goals I... that he scored. Because you you I mean. You look at their like look at our team. I I had the stat up la, last episode. I forgot to to pull it up right now. But um, what our leading scorer right now is is Hazard now after yesterday with what he has like fifteen goals. Is that something like that on the season? Yeah, yeah. in all competitions. You know, like you you can't win a lot of matches with doing that, and especially when you know the only time you score, you know, you go up one one nil we like fall back and let them attack us and you just instantly get another one scored on us. Like we need goal scores. Um, and we're just not, we're not, we're not having that right now with Morata I think, on the pitch. I think that tells us the story of our season though. I mean, we, we always criticize Hazard for not being that, for, for not basically banging in more goals every season. I mean, that, that's the one main criticism that everyone has is that he's not clinical enough. And I think it's fair to say that Hazard's more of a provider than a goal scorer himself. Mm-hmm. So when you see him at the top of um, Chelsea's goal-scoring list, I mean, a club with our aspirations to be in a Champions League, to be fighting for league titles, um, to have your basically your main provider being your main goal scorer as well, mm-hmm. it, it, it's just not a good combination to have. And you know, you mentioned it. I think Diego Costa contributed to what 15 points last season directly. Yeah, that's that. That's basically the gap between us in second place or even coming within touching distance of man city you know just having that reference point and that target man knowing that you have a striker that's going to be the only and first name on the team sheet for being your target man match in and match out is is something that we don't have at this point and the fact that we're what five games away from the end of the season and 
we're still trying and we're still asking the question as whether Conte should start our, you know, fifty million dollar signing from Real Madrid or our, you know, thirty one year old experienced center forward from Arsenal. It's it's just uh it, it's it's, it's concerning. <laughs> and yeah, it's it is sad. And you know, I mean I know we're gonna touch on this next, but I just think the formation, playing that 3-4-3, you need a target man that's going to sit there, that's going to bully defenders, and that's going to allow the midfield to transition into the attack. And right now, Maratha just can't hold the ball up, especially against uh, physical sides. And I think managers have figured that out over time, that if you bully Maratha, you're basically going to cancel him out of the match completely. And when you cancel Maratha out of the match and, and, and Hazard has no striker to run off of, I mean, you're nullifying Hazard's most... Um, you know, m- most potent form of attack, and it's it's concerning at this point. And and it, this is why I want to see Giroud because it can't get any worse than it is now. Uh-huh. You know, and it's it, oh, it's it just could, gotten it to that worse. point. It could get worse. <laughs> and I want to I just to correct myself. Eden Hazard does not have 15 goals. He only has 12. Um, so. And I think he was at 11 before, obviously, because he scored. I think he's um, at 69 goals for his Chelsea yeah. career. He's, he's like third behind Drogba and Lamps. Nice. Nice. 69. Nice. You know, yeah. I guess. Nice. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, nice. Uh, but are we, it's, it's, are we even going to congratulate Man City on winning Premier, the Premier League this year? Or um, it's just like, look, uh, here's the thing. Job, and. Dudes? I, I know I have this later in my script, but like this is the whole reason why I think Chelsea just just buy in on this full rebuild and integrating the youth and the loan system is because I think with this pe- with this Pep Guardiola Man City team, it's a dynasty. <laughs> it, it is a dynasty, and and I think uh, I I think you're an ignorant soccer fan if you don't think that yeah. you know it's it's it doesn't take if, a genius to there, see. It's close. It's close to being one. Uh, yeah, it's it's very close. Obviously, and you they know, got knocked out of Champions League by Liverpool, but. I mean, they're right there on the brink no, of no. being a dynasty. Yeah, they they are they really are, and and what they've done with the league this season and the players they purchase. I mean, they haven't gone after these old season veterans who you know will will put in great performances for two or three years to come. I mean, they're investing in young players mm-hmm. who are going to produce in the next decade or so. I mean, you look at guys like uh, Leroy Sané, like Benjamin Mendy, Amrik Laporte, John Stones, Gabriel Jesus. Um, Raheem Sterling, even though he was he he came in before Pep. I mean, it's just they just have this. It, it's it's almost a perfect formula of youth and experience in the same team. And you know, it, it it's concerning if you're a Chelsea fan. But I do think like going, like I said, we're gonna mention it later. But you know, maybe going after a manager that's going to look to integrate our youth and look to dip into our loan system and utilize the players that deserve playing time and deserve a chance at Chelsea Football Club. Maybe that means maybe that means we sacrifice a few years. Maybe that means we don't win a trophy in the next year or two. And, and, and maybe our most realistic chance of a trophy will be, you know, the likes of Europa League or the FA Cup. But I'm totally fine with that because we have arguably the best the best youth system in England, and there's no reason why guys like Callum Hudson Odoi and Loftus Cheek and Tammy Abraham and Ampadu and all those guys, Dujon Sterling, they should get a run out in the first team. And I am totally not opposed to just bringing in a manager who will just kind of blend that youth and and create that bridge from our youth system and our academy system to to the first team. It really says a lot 
just quickly, last thing I wanted to touch upon, uh, Man City. Um, you know, it says a lot about Pep of how great of a manager he is to take all of these young players and have them just play like they're champions almost every game. Um, you know, that it, it definitely takes a t type of manager. Um, you know, we've said this time and time again that the manager is responsible um, his, for so much for the players' morale and how they play, and he's done a great job there this year. Um, and you can't say the I mean, same for Antonio Conte, but you know, yeah. obviously that yeah. Um, just going, just, let's let's get back to this game real quick. Um, because I was just I was looking at the substitutions. I see um, Pedro came, coming in for uh, Zapacosta and Moraza coming in for Giroud, and uh, I noticed that. Finally, we 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 switch formations. Is that right, Zach? We did. Yeah, we, I, I it, just saw we played. Yeah, we had four back. Um, what 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 did it look like to you? It it, it basically looked like a Cahill, Christensen in the center of defense, and then we had Aspilicueta move out to the right. Mm, we had Alonso okay. playing out onto the left, who was Lovely. still basically playing as a wing back at the time. Seska and Golo as a as a double pivots. We had Hazard, William, and Pedro sitting in behind Giroud up top. So it was a four two three one, a throwback okay, so to the still, Mourinho days. But still, still having Cesc Fabregas in that double pivot role is is really suspect. Still, I mean, even though now you're backing him with four defenders instead of three, um, I mean, what, what are your that, that's just super attack centric. Obviously, I mean, we needed the goals. Um, you know, having so it was a four, like a four, two, three, one. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, like yeah, about in about twenty minutes with that lineup, we were able to score three goals. Um, you know, and Conte, just like like what I did not too long ago, and by you know everyone else, he's been criticized, including you know about about his lack of innovation and adaptation. But you know, here he finally made that call. Um, do you think that's the right call? And uh, do you want to see this kind of formation again i mean i've been calling out for this for the longest time and what and something just i noticed is when sesk sits in a deeper position um and and, and what i mean by that is particularly in a four two three one i mean he sits pretty much next to angolo conte and pulls the strings from from a deep lying position as opposed to a three four three where he's a little bit more advanced um it, it allows us to put more attackers on the pitch first of all switching to the 4-2-3-1 but it also allows for Sessa to express himself and you know I, I just don't see a use for him if he's playing a little higher up the pitch because he doesn't have any mobility anymore and he doesn't really make many runs into the box that's just not the type of player he is so I think he's sort of predictable so him sitting in a deeper position in that 4-2-3-1 behind four attackers as opposed to three makes him a lot more useful in that sense so I'd like to see this formation more often, but I still think Antonio Conte is way too wedded to the 3-4-3 because after we scored our For third, sure. he brought on Emerson and, and we went right back to the 3-4-3. Like, like it didn't take long at all. Um, so so I think Antonio Conte is still going to opt for that 3-4-3. I don't think it's realistic to think that maybe he'll start with four at the back next match against Burnley. Um, but I do think maybe he realizes now, oh shit, if I throw Giroud on and keep – Hazard, William, and Pedro playing in behind them, um, who are our three most creative players. Maybe we can chase teams, and maybe we could go after teams this way. So, I'd hope to see it against Burnley. Maybe if we don't nick a goal before halftime, maybe Conte will opt to go for the same change around the hour mark. 
Um, but I still think he's going to go three four three regardless. Um, I I I just I don't see how you know. I don't see how he changes his tactics now if he didn't decide to change them after the Tottenham match or the West Ham match. So it's just uh, – for me, it just comes down to stubbornness and poor man management. But, I mean, it, it's just been clear for the longest time, and we've been saying it over and over again. I know Chelsea fans are tired of hearing it, but, like, the manager's just checked out. Yeah. Um, so I think as a last ditch, yeah, the four-two-three-one would be the way to go. And if I was the manager, that's exactly what I would do, but – who am I to say? I'm just a guy recording a podcast from his bedroom. So, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I just wanted to, sorry, I don't, I really don't want to correct you, but, uh, <laughs> if I was listening at home and I heard you say that, I'd probably get annoyed, but, uh, uh, Victor Moses came in, not Emerson, but, Oh yeah. Yeah. Victor Moses, Victor yeah, Moses. But I know you probably have Emerson on your mind because he's been confirmed to start tomorrow against. I Burnley. do have, I do have Emerson. Emerson on my mind. I think I think he's quality. He's I really think I, I really think you, he's going to do a job saw. for us. I don't know if you yeah if you saw, but he's uh, officially going to be starting against uh, yeah. Burnley. So that's going to be yeah, well, well. We don't have another left back. So <laughs> and you know Emerson is Brazilian, right. so you never know what, what could happen. Antonio Conte does have a rap sheet with Brazilians. Yeah, I mean, speaking of not having another left back, let's get into Marcus Alonso. Um, so he was charged by the FA on Tuesday for uh, his challenge on Shane Long, um, who was pretty much being a twaddle match from what I heard and what I saw. And great word know, choice. Basically, saw he basically got what was coming to him. Um, obviously, um, you know you don't want to see that kind of play, but you know it was it was nonetheless it was foolish by you know by Alonso to do, make that challenge, but. You know, it, there's a lot of debate on this, Zach. Um, what do you think? Do you think that this was worthy of a possible suspension? I mean, if you're going based off of the basic laws of football, yes, mm-hmm. it was it was totally worth um, ascending off. But how the referee missed it is actually beyond me. I feel like we really got away with one, um, considering the fact that he was he was standing maybe what 15 or 20 yards away from the play when it happened. I mean, for for Alonzo, it, it's just completely out of frustration as to why he went into the challenge that way. Shane Long was basically kicking the crap out of Cahill and Dave all match long. Mm-hmm. I mean, I you hit the nail on the head. He was he was being a twat, and mm-hmm. you know, h- however foolish it was, um, it was worthy of a ban from Marcus Alonzo's standpoint. And now, the big debate about this is that there was not much force put into the challenge, but I mean, you're going studs up into the back of someone's knee. Um, I don't care what league you're playing in and what country. That's worthy of a sending off. And if the referee misses that, damn right that they should be looking at something like that. Because, you know, I know Chelsea fans are going to hop on me for saying, oh, well, well, he didn't mean to do it. Maybe it was accidental. Yeah, maybe it was accidental. But if it happened to one of our players, how would you be reacting? Oh, yeah. We you know, it's the same thing. If, if someone was going into a challenge on Eden Hazard, um, that Anytime way, what someone would you even be thinking? touches Eden Hazard, I get pissed off. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, Alonso was lucky not to be sent off. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, like you said, Conte said that today Emerson would get a run out um, against Burnley tomorrow. So, you know, we finally get to see him get his chance, um, obviously against a Burnley side that's probably the hottest team in the league right now. But my main issue is that we basically play two matches in two and a half days. Mm-hmm. Um, and if Emerson's going to be starting against against Burnley, um, the real question is, start, yeah, he's probably not going to be ready for 
Exactly. Available like like he, he's coming off an injury and he hasn't been getting much playing time. So is he really match fit? Is he ready to play two matches in two and a half days? That yeah. that remains to be seen. Oh yeah. The and you know just quickly touching back on Marcos Alonso cuz uh the the Professional Football Association just announced their um Premier League team of the year and the left back that was chosen was Marcos Alonso. So congratulations to him, but um he he has his there's there's a big sector of uh Chelsea fans that do not like him and for God knows what reason I um, I don't and, understand yeah like, I really don't I'm he, sorry you got in a you got into a bit of a uh Facebook back and I mean, sorry Twitter back and forth with another fan who and you know you you talked about earlier about um you know great minds think alike and uh it's funny because uh nizar kinsella really you know big time chelsea uh correspondent for goal um he used to work for a daily mirror he tweeted out this morning um marcos alonso has his detractors in the chelsea fan base which amazes me he has certain limitations but his fellow professionals and his managers rate him people who know football think that he's a brilliant player go figure <laughs> And, Go and figure. It, I think I think that says as much as you need to hear. People who I mean, know football he, think he's brilliant. He player. was voted as a left back for PFA Team of the Year, and for those of you that don't know, that's actually voted for by the players. Mm-hmm. So they, his, yeah, they his, know what's up. knew what he was talking about. His fellow professionals are voting for him as Player of the Year for that position. So I don't get it because. I mentioned it in a tweet earlier this week, and I said, you know, you guys were – the same people that are booing Marcus Alonso now are the same people that were cheering when he scored a double against Tottenham at Wembley this year. You know, it's it just baffles me. Here's the thing. He's playing in arguably one of the most physically demanding positions in, in, in football, if not the most physically demanding position in football. You're, you're basically a left back, a left midfielder, and a left winger all at the same time, and – He's running up and down the pitch constantly. Fair enough. Antonio Conte hasn't rotated him. I get that. I understand that. But he's played this many minutes, and he's been one of our most consistent players all year. He is more than entitled to have a dip in form sooner rather than later. And I'm actually glad that it's happening now when we're completely capitulating as opposed to happening you know, mid-November, early October when we still thought that we had a chance to make the top four. It just it, it just baffles me. He provides so much for our team, and he's just gotten so much better since we purchased him. I mean, let's be honest. None of us really heard of him before we purchased him. No. We really didn't. He, he, was, he was basically an unknown commodity at that point, and look what he's made himself to be. He's a Premier League winning um, – I don't want to say world class, but, but a, a very, very high caliber left back, and people just take that for granted. So I'm, I'm urging Chelsea fans just – Take a step back, look at his whole body of work as a whole, and then come to me and judge me and say there's better options out there. But to go and say, hey, you know, Alexandro is a better option. Of course he's a better option. He's world class. But at the same time, he's not going to move to a team that wants to play Europa League. Marcus Alonso is the best that we could get at this point, and I'm completely content with that. Yeah, I mean when you're saying I'm content with having uh, the left back who was voted pfa player i mean on on the you know best 11 of the year which is it's it's so ridiculous that you have to even defend him um right i mean joke. i i, 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 I just believe it um but let's 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 move on to antonio rudiger um 
because he was left out not only uh, of the starting 11 on Saturday, but, you know, just left out of the whole squad uh, throughout the game. Um, apparently, he got into a row with uh, Antonio Conte after his comments, uh, you know, after the West Ham match. Um, his quote was, I don't understand. After we go up one, we always drop off and let our opponents come on to us. We could have done better. We gave them a gift. It was the first clear chance they had. That was after the West Ham game again. Um, I completely agree with Antonio Rudiger. Um, I don't know if it's the right thing to, uh, you know, talk about this in public. Uh, you know, I, and I think, I think, I think Conte might be justified in being upset. Zach, what do you think? Do you think Conte is justified in being upset? I mean, like as a coach myself, you never really want to hear your players talking about you behind your back. Yeah. But for on a professional level, Obviously, I've never managed at a professional level, but I imagine it's not too pleasant when he does that to the press, especially. Um, but as a fan, I'm so fucking pleased that oh, somebody yeah. said something about this because it shows that Rudiger still has his competitive spirit. You know, he has he still has a lot to play for. He wants to win. I mean, he's at a new club. He obviously wants to pick up good results. He wants to he he, he feels that he's in a good run of form, which rightly so he is. But he's basically echoing the same concerns that most fans have and one that we've been venting about on this podcast for God knows how long. And Yeah, I mean he was left out of the Southampton squad and and we missed him massively in it because I love Gary Cahill. But for me, it's kind of sad to see him go because we're seeing it before our eyes his pace is gone his athleticism's gone he he's just not the same player that he used to be and i hope that there's still a spot for him at the club next year maybe not in a in a more um on-field role but more off the pitch role similar to what JT had last year but i mean going back to my point Rudiger was a fucking beast against Spurs and he played extremely well against Tottenham and he's been one of our best players as of late and the fact that he gets left out against against the Saints it's there's just no coincidence to me that that we conceded two lousy goals and yeah i i feel for him because yeah he is frustrated and he's had a great first season and and his teammates have let him down in terms of getting positive results and and just and his manager as well in terms of attitude but it's not only that he he's also on, he's also one of Germany's best center halves. So you're talking about a guy that has a legitimate chance of playing, or or, or at least being a squad player for that World Cup squad. Who I mean, let's be honest, they could easily go and win the World Cup. It's it's just he needs to be playing in order to have that chance for Yogi Love to select him. But it's just the thing for me is I feel for Rudiger because it's not only hurting the team. And by the team, I mean Chelsea. The fact that he's not playing is not only hurting Chelsea. It's hurting his chances for getting into the World Cup and playing in the biggest tournament of his life. And I, I just feel for the guy at this point. Uh, I'm just trying to sift through that answer. But uh, just to, for the record, you, you think that uh, Antonio Conte was justified for what he did? Do you think he made the right decision? or was? He I mean, here's the thing. A, little bit? a lot of people criticize Mourinho for not, you know – um, basically for not benching players that were acting out against them or, or having rounds with them, basically not being strict enough in the dressing room. And, I mean, we we kind of see that now with Man United. But 
now we have a manager who's willing to lay down the law and enforce his philosophies. And here's the thing with Antonio Conte. I understand where he's coming from because he was hired as a manager and not a coach. And right now he's just strictly coaching. So I feel like he's just trying to hold on to any sort of managerial qualities or uh, or um, responsibilities that he has. Um, and, and I feel like that's why he's benched Rudiger. I mean, we've seen him. He, he hasn't hesitated to bench people. Um, you you look at guys like David Luiz right before him. Um, another center half. He hasn't seen the pitch since. And yeah, I mean, maybe he's had his health issues, but he's had his chance to come back on. And Antonio Conte has been reluctant because he has had a row with him. And David Luiz even went out and criticized him after the Roma match, after we got slaughtered in Rome 3-0. And you know, he he had a row with him about tactics, very similar to what Rudiger is having with him now. I just don't think it's a coincidence that he's benching Rudiger, and I understand that because you got to have authority over your team, but at the same time, you have to look at the squad and say, okay, I have a better option here. Let me put whatever rift or whatever um, um, grudge I have aside and just get this guy on the pitch so my team has a better chance of winning. And you know, right now Antonio Conte is all about me, 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 and less about the team. And I could kind of understand that. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's being a little bit. I mean, dude, honestly, <laughs> Rudiger is hundred percent right for what he's saying. Um, oh, don't go completely. Don't go, I agree with him. But don't go, don't go to the press for to say it. Okay, like that. That's maybe that's just a good lesson for him to learn. Um, I think he'll be back in the rotation in no in due time. Um, so let's go. Let's move on to Marco Van Gink- Van Ginkel. Um, on loan mm. right now to PSV Eindhoven. Um, and uh, this past weekend they ended up winning the uh, Dutch league. So um, congratulations to them. Um, he was a regular in the first team playing at center mid. Uh, this season he scored 14 total goals. Um, uh, the you know he's playing at the ripe age of 25 um zach what do you think you think that he should get his chance next season or is you know, is this yet another potential player that we could let sl- slip through our fingers a hundred percent he needs to get his chance i mean between him and loftus chic we have two young technically sound physical and now experienced to a certain degree um two center midfielders out on loan that could definitely be squad players at the least next season here's the thing i loved van ginkle when he was at chelsea under Mourinho, and i know jose loved him as well i mean he gave him plenty of playing time and it it just seemed like he was getting better and better every match up until uh up until his knee injury and you know he, he just needs to get his run out and and so does loftus cheek and here's the thing though it just all kind of depends on the board doesn't it i mean whether or not they select a manager that's willing to look into the riches in our youth and our loan systems in order to save money and develop quality footballers or not that's really what it all kind of depends on it's maybe it means and i alluded to this earlier maybe it means we sacrifice a few years to nurture these guys and kind of bring them up to premier league and champions league quality footballers and i would love for that to happen and if it was my choice that's exactly what i would do but it's just hard when every manager we have gets a sack every other fucking year yeah and you know we need to bring in a manager that's going to develop these guys and build a team for the future because right now 
I talked about Man City earlier. They're they're embarking on a dynasty, and maybe Chelsea just has to accept that and say, okay, well, when that team starts to flutter, you know, we'll be right there to step in, and maybe that means sacrificing a few years without trophies or just competing for the odd, you know, domestic cup here and there. Yeah, and you know, I I, I just I just hate to see another nice young loney um slip through our fingers like that when you know we we have the opportunity to bring him back um he still has a lot to prove i think uh we haven't seen you know it's kind of like our t- like there's we've had so many players that you know when when we had him when we had them uh they had promise but they didn't really like pan out and we were impatient so i just don't want to make the same mistake with van kinkle in case you know he is another big you know, just player that we could use. Um, definitely, like, I mean, you know, with him, with with him and RLC back next year, um, I think that would be a great you know duo to be looking forward to the future. Because I don't think, I mean, we we definitely need to like be rebuilding right now. I mean, fourteen goals from the center midfield position oh, yeah, in any great. league, regardless if it's a Dutch league or not. I don't care how weak the league is. I mean, that that's something that you look at moving forward and i think the next manager definitely needs to take a look at it yeah I mean, it's just that simple he scored 29 goals just to, to, in total uh during his loan spell right uh, with psv for the past two years and 29 goals and 54 appearances that's you know at, at the center mid position that's you know that's ridiculous definitely nothing to to ignore um yeah just to, another another loanee that we got to talk about real quick um mishi Vachuai. Of course, um, having his renaissance um, in Dortmund. Unfortunately, um, he hurt his ankle in Dortmund uh, in, in a Dortmund match this past weekend. Um, initially, it was feared that uh, it was a broken ankle, I think, uh, but it was revealed that it was only ligament damage. Um, Mishi and Dortmund have both confirmed that he will miss the remainder of the season, but he still has a chance um, to play for Belgium at the World Cup. Um, you know, I, I, I've had my my feelings Grievances. towards I've had my feelings towards Mishi Batshuai well broadcasted on this show. Um but, you know, obviously I never I, I hate to see a player get hurt like this, especially in his, like, you know, the, the way he's been playing lately and how much he's provided for that Dortmund team. We really you know, me and Zach both, I I'm sure, you know, we just wanna wish Mishi all the all the best and you know, hope that he can play a p- pivotal role in in Belgium's World Cup roster because it would be a shame if he would miss it. Um, you know, obviously for a guy who's coming to his own since his loan began, it's you know tough to see a guy like that to suffer an injury like this, especially with you know the biggest tournament of his life so far coming up. Um, Zach, uh, if if let, let, assuming he comes back and he's you know there's no long-term damage or effect from this injury. Um, do you think that he's a player that we need to bring back to, or is, is, is he a type of player that we could, if, if like if Dortmund were to offer 50 million for him, is that like we just automatically should accept that and, and take the money and run? I, he, I've always vouched for Michi and me and you have had our differences over it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, I mean, we talk about Van Ginkel, 14 goals in what in one season and 29 goals in what 50 something matches. It's Michi's 
Michi's been incredibly reliable for Dortmund, and I think he was the fastest player in in uh, I don't know if it was Dortmund's history or Bundesliga's history. I mean, one of our one of our Twitter peeps could correct us, but I think he was one of the fastest players to score seven goals, um, you know, in, in Bundesliga or Dortmund history. But you look at that and, and you think, yeah, I mean, there is a player in there. I've been saying it since day one. There's a reason why we targeted him in the first place. Um, and it's just unfortunate that, you know, he, he, he goes down with an injury like this and somebody that's, everybody should be scapegoating him. I mean, we look at how much we scapegoat guys like Bakayoko and, 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 and guys like Zapacosa and Moses. And you look at Michi and we should be scapegoating him just as much in a Chelsea kit, but man, I mean, Oh, we were, the, we were when he was in Chelsea kit, believe me, I had. You did, <laughs> you did, but 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 we definitely weren't hopping on top of him as to the reason why we were sucking this year, and it's just unfortunate to see him go down like this. And uh, you know, I, I hope he comes back for the World Cup because I do think he's, you know, Belgium's best number two um, in terms of the uh, in terms of the striker position and playing the number nine. And you know, I want to see him back. I want to see him banging at least a goal or two in the World Cup off the bench and. Coming back to Chelsea's training camp, rejuvenated, hopefully under a new manager and just, you know, ready to fight for his spot back. Because I think if we could get the Michi of Dortmund and possibly get Murata more comfortable with the Premier League with Giroud's experience, I mean, that's a pretty pretty solid um, um, three pretty solid forward options moving into next season. Yeah, to think that we were in a in a dearth of uh, forwards just a couple months ago. Dearth, that's the right word, right? Dearth. Dearth is a great word. Okay, per- I just want to make sure I was using it in the right context. Perfect. Um, so tomorrow, um, actually, for everyone who's listening, it'll probably be uh, today. Um, Chelsea is visiting uh, Turf Moor at Burnley, where we play, as you alluded to earlier, one of the hottest teams in the Premier League. They're on a sizzling five-game win streak. Um, the last time we played Burnley... Um, was actually in our season opener where we lost 3-2. Let's try not to remind ourselves, but that was Too pretty late. much uh <laughs> that was pretty much just uh, a shit show. It, it, it was pretty much just a, a, a foreshadowing into what kind of season that we'd have. Um I was hoping it was just a, you know, first season, first match. Not a too big of a deal, but it came to perfectly represent how our season ended up. Um so right now <laughs> They're sitting at 52 points, and uh, right now there's only two spots behind Arsenal. Two um, points. Two points. Sorry, two points behind Arsenal. Yeah. Um, looking at a potential Europa League spot, um, they actually might make it if um, if uh, Tot- if Tottenham or um, Man City end up winning the FA Cup. So you know. Or gonna... Man United. I'm sorry. Yeah, Man Yeah, Man United or Tottenham end up winning the FA Cup. Um, so these guys are Burnley's going to be going for it because you know European football is basically on the line for them. Um, they, you know, this is not a team, a club that at the beginning of the season you would have even had any thoughts of, you know, playing in European football next year. But the they Ginger are... Mourinho, Sam Sean Dyche <laughs> is the Ginger Mourinho. It's yeah, I mean, he, you you could definitely call him back as, after this season. He as the men and blazers say, he's definitely the ginger Mourinho. He's had streaks of it, and he has streaks of of orange in his hair as well. Is um, he really quick? Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, is he a ginger? No, he, he's definitely okay, a yeah, ginger. He is. I was gonna stop my answer. 
No, no, but, <laughs> but what I was going to say is I think he has a legitimate shot of becoming manager of the year. I mean, well, what he's done with a squad of basically a bunch of nobodies is pretty impressive. Yeah, no, I mean, he's definitely in contention for it. Um, I think I think that will probably go to either Pep or um, uh, Jurgen. Yeah, Jurgen Klopp. Thank you. Uh, but he definitely is in consideration for that. Um, so let's go back to this Burnley match, Zach. What do you think we need to do to win? Dude, uh, I I think it's simple. We need to start Giroud in this match. I I don't care if it's in a two or a three. Um, but we basically have to go for it because we know that Burnley is going to sit deep and hit us hard on the counter and, you know, starting Giroud will give us better ball retention in the final third and a more natural fit finishing ability, um, since our chances will probably be few and, and, and far in between to be fair. Um, I actually ran a poll on Twitter this past week, mm-hmm. um, and it, it it basically said who should start against Burnley, Murata, or Giroud. And we only had 28 votes, but 79% of the vote went to Giroud. I think that's an okay um, sample size, 28. That's that's statistically valid. Um, it's decent, considering... Uh, I mean, but just given that it was a 79% vote, it wasn't even close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a matter... At this point, if we're trying to pick up points in a league and trying to make ground on Tottenham, who did drop points against Brighton today, um, we need... We need a, the striker that's in form, and right now it's Giroud. It's it's just that simple. Yeah, and I think obviously having Giroud there, um, it gives us a better chance of scoring first. Because I think the worst thing that we can do is to give this team confidence, a team that's been so hot lately, um, giving them confidence uh, by cons- by you know scoring first. If that happens, you know they're gonna pack it in. They make it very difficult for us. They I think that they're aware and the rest of England is aware that Chelsea is a bit of a, a wounded deer right now. Um, Ooh, so I like that. Rightly I like that so, reference. You know, rightly so. Accurate. So, you know, they're, they, will, they will be, they are definitely on the hunt and they will go for it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. I think it, you, you look at Burnley at face value and you just, you, you look at their record, you look at the squad, you look at the amount of points they have and the goals they've conceded. Um, and, they're just such an organized team who's frankly overachieving, but they're they just know how to pick up points. And I think they're actually probably the best team in the league at picking up points considering the resources that they have. Um and, and right now, I mean five wins on six wins on the trot, excuse me. It's it's uh it's gonna be a difficult task for us and I know for a fact that they're gonna go out there and think, hey, we beat these guys three two at the bridge and right now they look half the side they were at the bridge that day and they're gonna go for it and and they're definitely gonna try and beat us and we have to be wary of that if we do concede first we are gonna lose i am 100 percent certain of that um so you know i mean i guess diving into our predictions i i, I i'm gonna be honest with you i'm gonna go one one wow. i i honestly think it's gonna be a really gritty a really ugly game which will fit exactly into Burnley's blueprint, and you know, I I, I just think they're going to grind out a point and 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 essentially be happy with it. Yeah, I'm, I gotta admit, I'm I'm a bit afraid of the ginger Mourinho, um, but uh, you know, I the last last week was the first was the first match that I ended up 
that I did not watch this season and we ended up winning. Um, Zach, I think that I might have to miss this match too for the good of the club because this is definitely a, an important game and we need to win this. Um, but Why, I'm, is, is, is law school more important than Chelsea? Is that what it is? Don't put words in my mouth, Zach. You know, okay. you know, I would never think that. Of course. For those of you that don't know, it's it's actually eleven forty-five a.m. is the kickoff for us. So. Yeah, I'm actually going to be in class, but um, Sam is actually going to be in class, and he's not going to skip because apparently law school is more important than Chelsea football. Yeah, but even if I school. even if I did want to skip, like even if I was cool skipping, like I I would not watch this match just for the the good of the club. Um, my prediction is going to be a two-nil win, Chelsea. Oh, I, I like that. They're gonna, I don't think they're going to score on us. Um, you, I think we're going to put Rudy back in the lineup, um, and then it's going to be really interesting seeing Emerson out there. Um, I think that he's going to have a hard time, especially against a team that's as organized and as sturdy as as Burnley I think that's the best word to describe him is they're they're so sturdy but I'll just be I'll be really interested to see whether he um he as in Antonio Conte will deploy four back with Emerson in that lineup I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what he does but I doubt it I really do doubt it um the next match we got to talk about FA Cup semi-final um very familiar foe uh given that we just played them this past week Southampton um, this Sunday, uh, for us, it's a 7 a.m. kickoff, so that's a perfect timing, I think. Um, you know, I don't have to waste too much time watching soccer. Uh, I can just get it out of the way in the morning, but I don't have to wake up at 4:30 in the morning. So this, I, I don't ideal 7 a.m. is the well. Ideal it'll be time nice. You'll you'll be done crying after getting eliminated <laughs> from the FA Cup by like noon, yeah, right? Yeah, I'll be able to. Yeah, and then I'll be able to enjoy maybe the rest of my day or at least get some stuff done instead of just lying in bed crying um so (laughs) a neutral site of course at Wembley Stadium um probably not so neutral given uh its location in London but uh Zach we 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 already you know gave our predictions last week about this match um I don't think we need to really I mean sorry not a prediction but we talked about Southampton last week I don't think we need to really get into it I think we should just jump straight into predictions unless there's anything else you want to add. No, no, I, I I'm going to go 2-0 Chelsea um just because I think uh, Mark Hughes at this point is looking at his squad and saying is this tournament really something that's going to be realistic for us? I actually think um you know, he he might rest a couple key players in that match just because they're fighting for survival in the league and I think you know, right, rightly so. He should prioritize the league over the FA Cup. So, I think he's going to rotate a bit. I think he might experiment. I still think that they're going to put out a decent side, maybe not their strongest. And I'm going to go two nil Chelsea. Nice. Um, I think that we have everything to play for. Um, the exact opposite of what you just said. Um, about Southampton, <laughs> everything to play for. Um, this is our last chance of winning anything. And I think get, you know, although Antonio Conte does, does have the kind of sense that he he's given up, like he's a man and, um, any man has pride, um, especially him. And I know deep downside, he wants to, he still wants to win. So he's going to want to pull out. He's going to want to pull out the best, uh, the best kind of lineup for this match. Um, I think 2-0 is a proper proper prediction, Chelsea. 
Um, I don't know if we're going to let them score again on us. We have to have a tighter back line. No more mistakes. Um, and I think I think 2-0. That's that's my, my prediction as well. Yeah. I mean, look, I hope you're right. But at the same time, this is Chelsea. And yeah. – uh, I'm gonna be. Oh, yeah, I'm just. I'm just. I'm again. I'm gonna get ready for, to get disappointed. And yeah, we'll, the, we'll we'll know after this. Uh, after, after this the Burnley, Burnley match, yeah, whether I I should be able to even watch the last one because if we win, I'm not gonna watch it. But if we lose, no, you I'm have probably to probably not it. gonna watch it even if we lose. <laughs> just kidding. No, I'll definitely watch that. I'll, I'm definitely gonna be watching this one. Yeah, it's just uh. No, it, it it was a joke. Don't worry, Zach. No, no, no. I know. It's, I just have this. I guess I'm just so used to being sad now. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's just, it's kind of, it's a shame that that this feeling is normal for me. You know, I don't know. Anyways. Yeah, we got through this, Zach. Uh, we did. We I, did. I don't know if and... anyone could tell, but I'm a little under the weather, so my energy wasn't as high as usual. Um, but. I think uh, I think we did a pretty solid job given given the circumstances of this week. Yeah, I th- I think I'm definitely gonna drink more during the podcast just because it it helps me uh, a little bit of liquid confidence. Not not even a confidence, it just helps me kind of forget. You know, it doesn't have that much of yeah, an effect on me in terms honest, of you've been you've been how sad we are. Drinking a lot more since uh, the season started, right? Yeah, I've definitely been uh, going from you know maybe once a week to a couple times a week now yeah, and, so and maybe next time so I, I i supposed to i should have just mentioned this earlier but next time please don't refer to it as getting intoxicated by alcoholic beverages just call it getting drunk that's that's what that's what, <laughs> that's what humans call it we're not robots yeah uh, fair enough intoxicated by alcoholic beverages like uh, we're, we're getting, you're, getting, you're getting you're getting tipsy you're getting a little drunk that's how you call anyways. it anyways we're going to sign off before Sam uh, finishes telling me off. So uh, <laughs> anyways, if you guys enjoyed the pod today, um, make sure to add us on Twitter at Romans Empire pod. Every week we, uh, we, we mention all the wonderful people that reach out to us and just have proper banter with us. And, you know, it, it's, it's honestly great to hear your opinions, even if they're uh, differing views from, from minor Psalms. And it's just great to hear from Chelsea fans all around the world. Your opinions are always welcome. You won't be judged. Um, we love the passion. That's always something that uh, nobody will ever be able to take away from us. So make sure to add us on Twitter. Make sure to add us on SoundCloud, iTunes. We're on uh, basically every third-party podcasting app, whether you have iOS or Android. Just search Romans Empire Podcast. Um, you'll find us. Um, and uh, until then, we'll see you next week. So, Sam, do you, do you, do you want to do it this week? W- no, why don't you give it? Zach, I can't. I can't take that from you. All right, fine. Keep the blue flag flying high. Atta boy. We'll see you guys next week.